Hey there, it's Rob Payone, and welcome to the Proof of Talent podcast. Today, I have a great interview for you. It is with Duke Kim of The Giving Block. And this conversation was pretty wide-ranging. Duke has been in the industry now for, I think, a little bit over three years at this point in time. has made a couple different stops within the industry in his career and has kind of decided that, hey, this is the place I want to spend the rest of my career, as I think a lot of us have made that decision as well. And I think you're really going to enjoy a variety of the points that he made about his interview process, his journey, and the, the advice that he has to job seekers within the crypto industry as well. Before we hop into that interview, if you are interested in a new opportunity within the crypto space, if you are also perhaps hiring for your company, feel free to reach out to Proof of Talent. It's Proof of Talent Podcast, makes sense, right? Feel free to reach out to Proof of Talent. I will put links below in the YouTube and podcast descriptions if you are interested in either sending us your resume. We're happy to try and do our best to help you find that next role in your career or if you're hiring as well. Without further ado, let's hop into that conversation with Duke. Duke, thanks so much for taking the time to join the Proof of Talent podcast. I really appreciate it. One of the first questions I always like to kick things off with is, what were you doing professionally before you started working in the crypto industry? Oh, that's a great, great opening question. So uh, <laughs> I, I have a, a pretty much a, a trad five background, um, you know, born and bred as a corporate bond trader, derivatives trader, uh, kind of washed out um, in like the early 2010s. So I ended up at Bloomberg around 2016 as an account manager, uh, really working with, you know, the guys I, I traded with and traded for over the years, uh, spent about two years there um, and knew that I, I wanted a little bit of something different. Uh, and I'll get into it. Uh, as, as we continue on the pod today. Yeah. As far as actually kind of making that step from Bloomberg into the crypto industry, was there anything that, that prompted that decision at all? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> perfect segue. So when the first day that I joined Bloomberg, again, working with, um, you know, guys that I've, I've traded with old colleagues, uh, really, it felt like a homecoming, you know, to, to a large degree, getting to stay in the capital markets ecosystem, but literally day one uh, was introduced to a friend of a friend and, and the guy turns to me and says, you know, the best part about working here, uh, and this, you know, certainly isn't meant to bash on Bloomberg, but was that, you know, they'll, they'll never fire you. This is just a great place to hang out. And at that time <laughs> I was, I think maybe like 34, 30, you know, 34, 35, way too young to, um, to really ride off into the sunset. So uh, at, at that point I knew, look, I, great, great company, tons of, um, you know, professional advancement opportunity, you know, you can learn a lot, you can stay connected if you're a capital markets person. But at the same time, I knew, um, you know, from, from day one, almost that I, I was going to, at some point, seek out another opportunity, just given, you know, that I, I just don't want to be that comfortable in, in any one place. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great, it's a great point. And thinking about like, where I've been sometimes career wise too ending up at large companies. Like I've, I've kind of worked at some smaller companies. I've worked at some larger companies kind of prior to starting proof of talent. And when I worked at the larger companies, I was at LinkedIn, I was at Oracle, like it was, they were great companies to work at. But one of the things that always kind of bothered me is like, even if you, I was in a sales role and even if I absolutely crushed it, the impact that that made was so absolutely minuscule in the grand scheme of things. It was, it was hard for me to, to find any like real motivation on that front. Yeah, fully agree. And um, maybe I, I wasn't planning on, you know, confessing this, but I, I grew up, um, you know, both a debate nerd and a band camp nerd. 
And I, I'd left band uh, and like marching band in high school specifically because same reason, right? You know, you, the band does well, you get a trophy that you share and, you know, the director obviously, I guess, takes it home or, or whatever he or she does. Uh, but, you know, when I started doing uh, competitive speech and debate in high school, it was, hey, I got the trophy for myself, you know, and then that um, just feels, it just hits different, right? It was just like, you have an, uh, an outsized impact uh, and, and you really get to um, reap those rewards, which is also why I think I, I enjoy working for um, even smaller startups, right? Just to really have an outsized impact on, uh, you know, what I can do uh, and bring to the table professionally. So you were at Bloomberg and were there for a few years and, and maybe didn't want to kick your feet up and ride off into the sunset um, for better, for worse. <laughs> but the next step in your career was, I believe, with a, a company in the uh, crypto and blockchain space, Luca. How did you how did you wind up there? Sure. Um, so a little bit of I wouldn't say nepotism, but, you know, it was a, a happy coincidence. So my wife um, shared office space with one of the original uh, VC backers of, of Luca. Um, you know, saw the team continue to grow, had, um, you know, mentioned them over over the time and, and then said, look, they're looking to expand into, you know, they have real customers. I think they had just closed a B round. Um, and and so they they needed someone to really build a relationship management capability and to work with their existing customers, um, you know, help upsell them. And, and given what I was doing at Bloomberg as a territory manager, um, you know, it, it sort of made sense as, a, as an easy transition. Um, you know, connected with, at the time, the chief revenue officer who ended up becoming uh, one of my very close friends, um, you know, introduced me into the, the crypto ecosystem. So uh, easy, easy process from, from that regard, but in terms of, of really winning the hearts and minds of that team, um, a little, little bit tougher, right? Given that I, I came from a, a very TradFi background, uh, had moved around a little bit, um, maybe similar to you, uh, Rob, you know, ex-trader, was a regulatory consultant, was at Bloomberg as a relationship manager. And so really proving to this team, hey, this is exactly what I want to do, even though I was coming uh, slightly from left field, uh, but but really, you know, working to, and, and I would love to, you know, kind of dive into the the, the final round interview story, uh, if you if you give me that time uh, to, to explain how I, I really got the team to believe in me and, and take that, you know, take that first bet as the uh, first hire that was really, you know, kind of non-executive, non-technical uh, in, in building the Luca team. Yeah, I think that's definitely something I'd, I'd like to hop, to hop into because I do think that there are a lot of individuals that are interviewing in the space and the maybe the, the parallels between what they're doing right now and what the job that they want or the job that they're interviewing for is not always crystal clear. So I'd love to hear how you maybe were able to, you know, to, to end up getting that role in the, in the final interview for sure. Sure. So, so to start, it was pretty funny. Um, again, you know, working with, with my colleague, uh, Jeremy Drain, who became a very good friend of mine. First, first conversation was, Hey, have you taken a look at the job description? Do you think you fit it? And I said, what job description? This is a informational, you know, my, my wife connected us. I have, I didn't know that there was a JD available for this thing. And, um, you know, that, and that kind of spoke to, to really like how quickly, you know, startups can grow. How, how nimble you have to be. Um, so, you know, we, we get through that part, go through the, the process, explain, here's how I've been a, um, you know, an account manager, a relationship manager for, for big banks and consulting organizations, really being that client liaison, um, but the space was new to me. So Luca at the time was primarily focused on uh, subledger software for fund administrators, for hedge funds, uh, looking for tax and accounting uh, reporting, basically a big tax calculator. 
Uh, a lot of words I had to Google. I just, I did, I literally, you know, sat into the role that I had to Google what the hell a fund administrator was, what they do, what our function was for them in the, in the technical stack. Um, but ultimately from a, you know, helping uh, podcast listeners here, you know, your audience, Rob, is, is really understanding where you fit as, as, a, as an employee or as, as kind of building that team. So, you know, for me at that time, again, I was about mid, mid-30s, uh, first kid. So I didn't want to necessarily go to a startup that was three guys in a garage, you know, a little bit too much career risk for me. Likewise, I didn't want to go to LinkedIn and, and be part of, you know, 20,000 employees. Um, so ended up here again, there were, I was roughly about employee 20-ish, uh, close to B round, and, and they had customers that were about to tick over their one year mark. So again, needing that relationship management to take care of them to identify upsells. Through the uh, interview process, really, again, learning on the fly what they were doing, how I could fit in and build um, was really the key to success, right? I think as I've gotten older and moved around in my career, really understanding and coming to grips with uh, my, my strong points and my weaknesses. Uh, where I'm really strong is being a, a great generalist, being a great uh, idea generator, and, and really building uh, on the fly. I'm slightly less useful as, a, as an execution guy I'm just or a process person. Um, that said, having a consulting background, I can explain to others how to build a process. And that was really critical. And, and the final thing um, that, that really moved the needle in my favor was actually just attention to detail. So, um, you know, at the time as, as a, uh, we'll call it a relationship manager, account manager, uh, one of the things was, again, building a process for taking care of all the clients and then also figuring out status reports, really the boring stuff. You know, are you satisfied as a customer? How are we doing with, you know, the data that we're preparing for you, all of those things. So I prepared in my final presentation pitch, um, you know, kind of mock-ups of, of what I would, you know, create once I got the, got the job. Um, and, and the last piece of attention to detail thing that I had done was uh, mimicked as close as I could their, their font, their corporate font, as well as their, um, you know, their branding and their coloring. And they weren't yet at a, at a stage in their company where they had this necessarily locked in. This is the Pantone, you know, this is the font <laughs> we paid for, but I could, you know, kind of fudge it. So I put that in the PowerPoint deck that I presented them. And the, the chief operating officer and the founder were just stunned that someone would have taken, you know, the, the extra 10 minutes inside of the PowerPoint. So you're talking about, you know, an inch by an inch in terms of what a, a, a fake report would look like. But, hey, it was the right color, the right font. Um, you know, I Googled their existing clients and, and put that, you know, put those in the deck and the material and saying, this is what your, your status reporting would look like. This is what your, um, your, your CSAT surveys would look like. And, and just taking that, that extra two minutes really blew them away and said, hey, this is the guy that we don't know if it's going to work, but he's probably the one that's most likely to make it work. Let's go ahead and give him a shot. Um, and the rest is history. That's, that's a great story. There was a little like tweet thread I put out yesterday about interviewing. And there were, I think, five things that I was talking about, just interview prep. And I feel like interview prep as, as a job seeker is one of those things where it's like such a high ROI on on your time to actually improving your chances. Like, you know, as as a person, you, know, you can obviously find new jobs, you can build experiences, studying in the background. There's a lot of things you can do to make yourself like a better candidate per se. Um, but a lot of those things are very time consuming. But when it comes down to like once you actually have the interviews, is doing that like extra little tiny bit of 
effort makes such a huge difference. And we've seen that both for people we work with at Proof Talent, but even just interviewing people to be recruiters on our team. There were a couple different scenarios where even one of the guys in the team sent video thank you notes after every interview. And it was it was between him and another person. The other person was really good too. But just like that extra little bit probably took him two minutes out of his day. And we're thinking about, all right, like this person or that person, well, somebody was going ahead and doing a little bit of extra effort and that type of thing pushed him over the finish line versus, versus somebody else. And that's, I think it's a really good story that reemphasizes that for sure. Thank you. And I, I mean, and, and actually even, you know, going back to it, you know, from a, a grind perspective, right. All of, you know, job seeking networking, it is, it is a grind. I mean, actually, so I worked at Bloomberg from, you know, 2016, 2018 was first, uh, what's the word rejected in, in 2015. Right, working with a team, you know, they ended up going with a person that had. I was a corporate bond trader. They wanted ultimately someone with more uh, municipal bond experience. Uh, you know, as as boring as, as that may be, they you know they said, <laughs> hey, this is what we need right now. But obviously, stay in touch, keep you know keep it warm. So checking in, you know, quarter after quarter until it until it happened is is clutch. Um, even here at uh, the Giving Block, uh, the you know the gentleman that runs a lot of our um, operations and kind of fund flows. Uh, was my operations guy from from B of A, you know, about a, almost a dozen years ago, right? Stayed in touch, wasn't able to, um, I don't think I've ever had a beer with him. You know, we worked actually, he worked in a completely different office. So we're not, um, you know, old, old bar buddies or, or, or friends or anything like that, but we were just, you know, great professional contacts. And he'd been just pinging for over a year, maybe two years, just, hey, Duke, if you ever bump into something in the world of crypto that that might be able to make use of my operations background, you know, please let me know. Right, anywhere I'd go, it's like Duke. You talk to hedge funds if, if they need, you know, ops. Let me know. Um, and finally, it worked, right? And he wasn't, you know, annoying about it, but it was just, you know, building and keeping that uh, professional relationship and staying, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, top of mind all the time, but but always back there, right? Just always knowing, yep. hey, this is a guy that that's ready to come off the bench, um, you know, j- just looking for a home, and and that's been, you know, critical, I think, to my success and, and to those around me. Totally. When you were getting into or when you were interviewing for for Luca were you specifically I know you mentioned it sounded like from from a, a company size wise and just kind of like a risk factor scale like you said you know series B ish company some traction product market fit kind of the employee size you were looking for all those types of things was was that the most appealing part to you or were you also kind of simultaneously interested in in the the crypto and blockchain industry in particular or was that just kind of like an ancillary benefit of of that opportunity um wow i i haven't really thought about that so you know i definitely fell down the rabbit hole um i guess investing you know at the time what i what i felt was significant amounts of money and and time in probably late 2016 2017 as that first bull run up to you know to 20k hit um so so felt that that desire um, from a professional and size perspective, I, I think that was right. So ideally, if I could have gone to, or I guess if, if the crypto and blockchain piece were out of the equation with Luca, but the employee kind of company size was right, uh, still would have been attractive to me. I think. I mean, I um, you know I'm about uh, early 40s, so I grew up in the time of, of Web 1.0, um, the, the tech boom from the early 90s, 2000s. And so even when I went to college, I didn't think I would graduate. I figured I'd go for a year, uh, find my way into you know Silicon Valley, be you know, join some tech startup as a you know, sales guy relationship person, um, 
didn't work out, ended up with a philosophy degree, you know, for, um, and thankfully I uh, found a job after that, but the, you know, but it was, was really <laughs> always, um, always attractive to me, I guess, leaving, uh, we'll call it full TradFi as a, as an ex bond trader, um, throughout my career arc was, was really coming closer and closer to home, uh, with, with regard to who I am. And I always say, you know, I got to finally let my freak flag fly. I can never pronounce that right. Um, you know, where, you know, you work on a, on a wall street desk, you, everyone dresses the same, you know, blue shirt, you know, slightly high crop now kind of slacks, right? The same Ferragamo loafers, same Patagonia vest. Everyone looks exactly the same. And I, and I just really chafed at that. I didn't come from You're wearing you know, like my parents right now, Duke. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my parents aren't, <laughs> I, I, yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, it's cold in my office. I, you know, it's just my, my parents didn't come from, you know, Wall Street, they didn't connect me with people, you know, I grew up in a, in a small suburb in, outside of Dallas. And um, so not that I had a chip on my shoulder, but at the same time, just didn't feel like I, I fit in. And so as I've gotten older, as I've worked for, you know, smaller and smaller companies, really come to be more comfortable in my own skin. And, and sure, some of that's probably some sort of um, unpacked, you know, need for therapy on my side. But but the bigger picture is just like, hey, it can be comfortable, get to, to really have an outsized impact uh, on these organizations. Um, and, and just so happens, you know, this, you know, current juncture working at the giving block, really getting to align, um, you know, my, my philanthropic intentions, my, my need to do social good, as well as staying in, in, in really crypto, as well as capital markets, working with, you know, kind of traditional organizations to, um, to, to make their way into uh, crypto and blockchain. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. And you've been at a couple of different and you've had a couple of different stops prior to the giving block um, between you know now and uh, between now and and, and Luca. Um, how has the kind of journey within the crypto space been for you? Because it seems like really since that Luca point in time, you've kind of made this industry. It, it looks like the focal point of of your career. Um, so I'm kind of curious how that has going from maybe just trading the asset a little bit, you know, trading some of these assets a little bit in 2016, 2017 to kind of focusing you know, that, like you said, your, your career and kind of the, you know, the future outlook on it with, uh, you know, with a couple of different companies. Yeah. So post uh, Luca, and this was, you know, re really the, um, I think that the challenge or sort of the coming to Jesus moment came for me uh, when COVID hit. So uh, as, as COVID was coming stateside in early 20, um, you know, we were at the time at Luca, just kind of at a crosswords in terms of, of funding, you know, headcount decisions, et cetera. Um, and, and so I was part of, um, you know, a round of cuts in kind of Q1 2020. And uh, I wasn't sure and I didn't I didn't know if I had a network strong enough at that time to to stay crypto. So, you know, had a conversation with my wife. Uh, we were we we're actually expecting our second child at that time as well, saying, look, if I can. I would love to stay in crypto, love, you know, the energy, the people I get to connect with and work with, but financially, is it, is it the right move for us? You know, do I, if I were to get a job at a big company, you know, I was talking to, we call it, you know, Salesforce, we'll, we'll, you know, larger other organizations yeah. um, that could make use of, of the, you know, two years of experience I had in the world of crypto, but also again, you know, TradFi, you know, regulation, uh, regulatory consultant, et cetera. Uh, what does it look like? So I applied to everything. Um, I was actually in the final rounds of a company um, that was, I thought, interesting because for all the wrong reasons, actually, because it was backed by a growth equity firm out of Boston, um, but they sold warranty, lifecycle warranty management software for um, retail and heavy industry. 
which is super boring sounding because because it honestly was. Uh, so you know, before we started the podcast, we were talking about uh, grills. So um, you know, one of their customer success stories was, "Hey, we built uh, Weber Grills um, relationship and warranty lifecycle uh, postcards because Weber was selling directly to like Lowe's and Home Depot. The company never knew that it was actually Rob purchasing the grill. Couldn't find you. Couldn't identify. Couldn't you upsell." warranty, new, um, you know, great, uh, you know, new great scrubbers, et cetera. So they built the software around doing that kind of really boring stuff, but wildly, you know, very juicy margins, really great company. And again, because they're backed by growth equity, I figured it would be a good opportunity for me to uh, learn the ropes on, um, you know, on the investing side as well. Ultimately, their head of sales, um, didn't want to work with me because he didn't think he'd be able to keep me long enough to to really get the juice out of it. So, um, you know, I ended up taking uh, one of those uh, like aptitude tests and, and he said, look, you're mm-hmm. probably not, I mean, not, not that I'm anything special, but he's like, you're probably one of the smarter guys I've ever interviewed for this role because I'm, I'm dealing with, with warranty factory guys, you know, and, and there's a very different sales cycle and sort of persona that, that goes to this industry. Um, you're not, you're not really it, but I know you'd be good at the job. But he was also really afraid, and I couldn't sell him on this, thankfully, that I would not leave after you know COVID was over or that you know crypto kind of came back. Uh, so, so thankfully, he said, "Love to keep in touch. Not going to take you." Uh, at that point, you know, leaning heavily on, on on the crypto network, got connected to um, you know a couple of trading firms, a couple of uh, crypto lending platforms, uh, ended up joining uh, Celsius. Um, in about September of uh, 2020. So, you know, just a few months of, of kind of, I'll call it nail biting, a lot of interviews, a lot of conversations with exchanges and trading firms, et cetera, uh, ultimately, you know, able to uh, to make a new home for myself and stay crypto. Uh, and since then, you know, I think um, to, to your point, I don't think I'll ever leave um, for, for better or for worse. And as long as the ecosystem is here, uh, I'm dedicated to it, you know, want to continue to build, um, you know, build it in any way that I can. It's it's interesting that you said you know you had those kind of challenges basically post post Luca finding that that uh, that next opportunity because I do think that there are with what happened in the past five months or so with the layoffs across the board I think there are, there that has been a challenge for a lot of people is you had you know these massive companies the the Coinbase's of the world um, where they laid off a pretty significant 1,500 plus people. And I think that's relatively true across a number of different organizations within the space and, and just wider tech in general. But I do think that, you know, has been a debate for some people is like, Hey, do I stay in this industry? Is there enough opportunity here still? And, and I think part of that is just a crisis of like, we're in this bear market and people get disillusioned. Although Again, like we're in a greater tech bear market as as well at this point in time, but I think sure. there's always kind of that disillusionment. But then it is at this point in time, in some cases, harder to get a job in the space than it was a year ago, for sure. So good to good to hear that story. That like if if I were to look at your resume and and look at your LinkedIn, I would have just kind of assumed you know, you've had an easy go of it. You know, you got your first job in crypto, and then you've you know been able to to kind of end up where you are through you know through maybe a relatively easy process, but you know, hearing that it, it was a challenge and, and you were considering opportunities outside of the space, but ended up deciding to stay in. Um, it's yeah, definitely, definitely, I think good for, for those people that might be considering the opportunities outside, but not so sure about that. Yeah. I mean, I think just to, to add to that, um, 
it, you know, still, still always difficult, right? I mean, I, you know, even um, when I was looking for for new work and and um, you know, even applying to to existing clients of, of Luca and then kind of just building and, and really leaning on that network, it, it was tough, right? It was it was COVID. You know, Bitcoin had touched, I think, probably you know, four K, right? People were nervous. Uh, but then I thought 18 months prior, there were a number of, of startups that had raised uh, in, in BTC and ETH um, through the, the 2017 bull run and had honestly, uh, pardon my French, you know, piss poor treasury management, right? So number of groups that said, look, we've raised tons and tons of ETH and we kept it in ETH, but, um, but you pay your bills and your, you know, your liabilities are all <laughs> dollar denominated. Um, there, there was a mismatch there. And I think you know, we're still learning lessons. I think the, you know, crypto is fascinating uh, from, from that regard that the cycle is, is violent and it's quick, but, you know, we're also, it also just speaks to how quickly the, the space is growing and maturing, right? So in, in just a number of years, again, 2017, 2018, those hedge funds that launched um, really had no idea what they're doing. It was, it was two kids that bought a bunch of Bitcoin in their college dorm room, had a 50,000% return and said, look at us, we can, we can now accept, you know, LP money. All the LPs have the same last names as, as the GPs. Um, and, and there was no concept of risk management. And, and very slowly that, that started getting layered in there, you know, the, the hedge funds that launched in 2018 that are here now are the ones where, you know, risk management was, was top of mind. Treasury management was top of mind for these startups. We're still seeing that. So yeah, bear market is tough, but there are a number of people, you know, yourself included, right, on, on the kind of Twitterverse that are saying, look, bear markets are, are for building. Um, and even if you can't get that job right now, stay in your, you know, relatively comfy wherever else you're working, build the network, build build that next opportunity for yourself by just by just grinding. You know, we're, we're some people are, are kind of just waiting it out, but, um, you know, the, the market will will expand again. We'll we'll go back to hiring, you know, uh, full force. And I think for the people that have their wherewithal, you can even if you're not yet in the space, but you're just right outside of it, and and really continuing to say, look, this is this is more than money. This is more than just I want to join this this sexy sounding startup. But I'm I'm really yeah. genuinely passionate about what X Y Z company is doing. That you know, create your own destiny, right? Create that magic, and, and it will happen. Yeah, really, really good points. Where you're at now, so you are at now the giving block. How did you wind up to to your current destination? Um, would would love to hear that story. Sure. Um, so I guess I've I've known the team since their founding in 2018. So when I was at Luca, we were launching a um, a, a data product that would value crypto um, from a like a gap and IFRS perspective. And so you know I'd heard about the giving block had seen what they do. And so uh, the giving block for, for those of y'all that are unaware, they enable nonprofits to receive cryptocurrency donations. Uh, we work with about uh, 2000 nonprofits globally, um, you know, to, to fundraise crypto, to accept that crypto, we process that for them and, um, you know, work with them to, to fundraise and, and to campaign uh, using crypto as, a, as not just a, a donatable asset, but also a donor demographic to, to reach into. Um, so back to the topic at hand. So I'd reached out to uh, one of the co-founders back in 2018 saying, look, we're about to launch this, this value product and we could put the, I would love to put the valuation of the crypto that you donated uh, on the gift receipt. And, and then the team said, can't do it, not interested. I told them it's free. We haven't launched the product yet. I just want my logo on something, you know, help me out. Turned out there's a regulatory rule around, you know, not being able to, to do that. 
Great. So just kept in touch with, with the team since then. Always loved, um, obviously, what they're doing because they, you know, they, they really do stand for, for social good and, and helping others uh, change the world. Um, and if I take actually a, a slightly further rewind, at the end of my tenure at Bloomberg, one of the last things I did uh, was sort of a, an unofficial um, betting pool around the closing price of Bitcoin for 1231-2017. And so, you know, if you work on Wall Street, Right. It's, it's non-farm payrolls. It's, it's really betting on anything, you know, CPI prints, <laughs> non-farms, unemployment rolls, anything you possibly could. And when I when I got my way onto uh, the trading floor, uh, I was just an you know, overpaid, undereducated MBA. So didn't know anything, but I could just run, you know, sports betting pools all day long. And, and that's you know, that was my first value proposition for for a lot of the people that I got to work with. So I built uh, at, at Bloomberg kind of the same thing, said, hey, look, everyone um, throw in, you know, X dollars. Whoever gets closest to the closing price of Bloomberg's uh, Bitcoin price at the end of the year, uh, you get 50% of the pot. The other half goes to Toys for Tots, um, you know, raised uh, maybe $600 or something like that, uh, you know, felt good, make the donation. Um, and then lo and behold, I, I get to work at the giving block. So uh, just over a year ago, I was um, we had just sold a, a crypto trading desk looking for a new opportunity uh, at that time. Um, and actually sending um, you know, the co-founders a couple of different referral candidates for the job that I ultimately took at the Giving Block, which was uh, running crypto partnerships. Um, they had reached out and said, look, we, we actually would prefer just to talk to you directly, if, if it all makes sense to you, uh, would, would love to um, you know, explore that opportunity. And I just jumped at it. I mean, you know, it, it, it made sense uh, on a personal level. Um, you know, my, uh, my youngest daughter, who was you know, a COVID baby, uh, has some some pretty significant uh, medical issues, and so I think it's really opened up uh, my heart, my eyes, and, and really just like deepened the empathy for hey, you know, people need help. They all, you know, everyone needs help. How can you help? Um, so so it really aligned, you know, socially for me. Um, and then again, getting to stay in crypto, getting to to really still talk to you know capital markets participants, um, it, it really just checked all the boxes that I really wanted um, out of life, honestly. And, and I get to be fully remote working out of, uh, you know, my, my home office in Tampa. And, and so, you know, my wife said, if it, if it makes you happy, you know, go for it. Um, and, and so I, uh, I, I went for it. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always great when, when something checks those boxes that you're really looking for. I think those are, at least for me, when I'm thinking about, not that I'm thinking about a new role right now, but like, as I've thought about things or even just constructing like my, my role as like the founder of a company, it's like, I like being remote. Uh, you know, I want to build around those, those types of elements and you, know, you being able to kind of construct those things. And, and then working in a space that you find to be you know, fulfilling from, from a charitable perspective, but also within the industry that you like, um, I think is great. Like for me, I love working in crypto. I, I love the opportunity to speak with people involved in the space all day, but I also like the kind of service component of helping people find opportunities and find jobs in the space and, and helping those companies that are hiring to, to build, um, to build their, their, you know, organizations as well. So like, for me, it's kind of the perfect marriage on, on mine. So cool to hear that you found, found that for yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I, I again, um, you know, really, really appreciate what you do for, for those trying to break into the ecosystem for, for those trying to grow the ecosystem, finding the right candidates and the right people. Um, 
you know, uh, on a personal level as a trader, right? You kind of live by the sword, die by the sword. So, you know, I, I take um, the job search very seriously and trying to, you know, help people uh, find find a good home very seriously because I've I've been fired before, right? I've, I've had the hard talks with with HR and managers. Um, uh, crazy enough, I got let go from from the last bank I traded for the day before I flew out for my honeymoon. Um, you know, which was, which is tough. sort of tough. So I remember pinging my wife and saying, Hey, I know we're flying out tomorrow, but if you want to grab brunch before we go, I am totally free <laughs> available to, <laughs> to, to, to do so. And, um, you know, but, but it, it was, you know, it, obviously, you know, hopefully I, I think it, it ended up for the, for the best, but it, it took a while. Um, and ever since then, right. It, it's, 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 uh, you know, like you said, really working to, to help people find really their, you know, their, their professional home, um, I think COVID, for better or for worse, did open up people's eyes to, hey, you know, I, d- I don't just want a job. I, I really want an opportunity. I really want to help build something and, and align themselves with a uh, real mission. You know, as a trader, yep. the, the best thing I could say is that I don't fire people. I don't, you know, I don't lever up a company and leave them saddled with debt. I just help insurance, you know, insurance money managers really find yield opportunities, which is Mm-hmm. Neither good nor bad, you know, but um, but but now able to to proactively have a positive impact on on people's lives, um, you know, is is uh, important to me. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Thinking about somebody who might be looking to get an opportunity, I think there's been a lot of kind of actionable advice thus far. But is there any specific advice that you would give to somebody who is trying to start a career in in the crypto or Web three space at this point in time? Sure. So um, I think obviously it, it's, you know, have a, have a real interest, you know, besides, oh, I, I think I can make money trading a shit coin, right? It, it's, it's, it's what do you really like having a, a real heart to heart internally, or I guess just a heart, <laughs> um, you know, in terms of what, what am I good at? What do I really, what can I do? What do I bring to the table? Um, and then from a, you know, concrete perspective, and I think we touched on it earlier is where am I comfortable in terms of kind of company size, um, you know, funding rounds, uh, you know, where are you as, as a human, right? So, um, you know, my last stop when I was at the the lending platform, worked with a lot of young people that, you know, went fully, fully remote, fully nomadic, and they could just take flyers on on the next career moves that they they wanted to do fully unencumbered, right? They've got two duffel bags and, and a shitty minivan. They can, they can do whatever they want, right? Um, s- certainly individuals are, are completely in a different position. Um, you know, funny and funny enough, when I joined uh, Luca, the management team or, or sort of that level above me, um, you know, right below the founders, um, where we had three, and we kind of pitched this too, as, as in, in terms of my, my sale and saying like we're going to be around as a company because three of the people that were running the organization all had their first kids in college, you know. So from a backs to the wall, we're gonna make this thing work. We, you know, we we will be around. Um, that was kind of that was kind of the pitch, right? Is you work with us because we're not fly by night because we've got kids in college, you know, <laughs> and and that was sort of you know kind of um, and, and not to be flippant, right? But it was it was it was yeah. really meant to say, hey, look, we're we're really committed and dedicated to making this thing successful. Um, and and when when I went to go recruit and hire out, it's like, hey, well, we're you know now we're we were twenty when I joined, we're we're forty, we're sixty, we're eighty, um, and then you you started accumulating different profiles of candidates um just based on your size based on where you are on funding etc um, even at the giving block we had um we were actually interviewing uh, a young woman who was about to leave uh, a major bank uh, to join us on the institutional team 
And we made the announcement that we had just been acquired by a, a public company. We were acquired by uh, Shift4, it's an integrated uh, payments platform, uh, you know, several thousand employees. And, and it was, uh, I, I hate, hate using the word interesting, but it was, it was kind of fascinating to see her, her shift in, in, in demeanor or um, interest in the company because, you know, for her it was, hey, I wanted to leave this really big organization where again, you could have a knockout mm-hmm. year, it, does it really move the needle at an organizational level? No, to you know, to joining a, a startup at the time with you know fifty-ish, sixty employees, awesome. Oh wait, if I if I take the opportunity now, I'm, I'm back to you know a big public company. Do I want that? Um, and ultimately, you know, it, she decided you know I, I don't want to to continue the conversation, but it made a lot of sense, right? And it was just um, where where you are as a person, seek out those types of companies that that really fit. Um, you know, because I, I think you know, professional happiness is uh, is critical, right? It is super yeah. important to to your success as well. Yeah, self self awareness I feel like is so crucial just in so many avenues of life, but especially when you're trying to decide what you want to do career wise. Obviously, you know, a career is is a big portion of of what you spend your day and, and weeks doing, and having the ability to be like introspective and be like, all right, this is actually what I like. This is what I'm good at. This is what I feel like would make me happy and also would make me um, would would add value to to a company or you know I would be a good fit there and kind of knowing that figuring that out I think it's the same thing on on a company hiring in too like there are a lot of companies that just want to hire people and they have no idea they don't have the they don't have the uh, you know self awareness to to know who they want to hire how they want to hire um, and I think it's it's kind of the same thing really on, on both ends but having that ability to 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 be introspective and, and kind of know where where you'd be a good fit and why you'd want to be a good fit there and and making decisions based upon that like like you said the you know maybe the woman you were interviewing with looking for that smaller opportunity and whether or not an acquisition from from a big company that that you guys went through actually made you guys feel like a big company i have no idea but i guess the risk to her wasn't worth it so um you know always always good to have that that ability to to kind of think through things like that yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I, I would, you know, even um, just to finish on the, on that thread, also, just as companies continue to grow and mature, right? They they do need different different types of candidates, right? So, hey, we're you know internally at our company now, we're at a stage where we're hiring project managers, right, and people to build like a PMO functionality internally. So even folks that aren't you know necessarily blockchain or crypto native can still get into startups, can still get into the world of crypto with their existing skill set. They just have to make sure that they align with, you know, the company in terms of their their maturity and, and where they are sort of on their journey, uh, where it makes sense. You know, again, I'm, yeah. I'm I think I'm a, a pretty great early stage employee. I'm a really crappy employee 2000, <laughs> like just you know, just not going to be a great fit for anyone there. And and likewise, other people are going to be the, the exact opposite. So uh, yep. to your point, um, you know, the, the punchline would be self awareness certainly. Finishing off here, what's one thing that you are specifically excited about in the the future of of of, of the crypto industry? It could be a project, it could be uh, a topic. I'm curious if there's anything that you're really excited about or keeping an eye on. Ooh, um, fantastic question. Was not prepared to answer that. <laughs> um, a lot, of, a lot of different ways. So, yeah, I think. Um, for for me, and, and this has just kind of been my my I guess professional ethos over the years has really been about institutional adoption driving retail adoption, 
Um, you know, and I know there's there's always this chicken and egg debate, like if we get retail investors and, and retail users of, of NFTs and, and blockchain technology, do we get the, the big banks and the insurance companies? Uh, I've, I've always just had um, just a, a different view. I've always thought, you know, we get the, the, the big money to participate, to build uh, the right things, and then we get users uh, on the retail side really interested in embracing blockchain and crypto and NFT usage. Um, so, so for me, it, it continues to be, hey, I, I want to see you know more banks. I want to see more brokers. I want to see regulation come down the pipeline. Um, as, as scary as that sounds, or as you know crappy as that sounds, giving that clarity and guidance will allow um, you know NFT platforms. Uh, this whole Yuga Labs um, you know SEC so story that that dropped yesterday, right? From a you know slightly removed perspective, fascinating to watch. But as soon as we get clarity around those things. The more users will actually, you know, embrace and jump into the pool here. Again, spent two years slinging tax software, right? I still know that not a lot of people are, are you know, reporting on their taxes and, and using the proper tools that they have in place. Even though there are a dozen crypto tax calculators now, um, you know, and, and a number of them are unicorns, right? And, the, and they rightfully should mm -hmm. be. Is um, if, if the number of people are actually that, that are using crypto are really, you know, actually using the tools, reporting properly. Um, that's all important and getting people comfortable with it is really the most, um, you know, is, is the thing that I look forward to, to the most. Um, I guess maybe to put a finer point on it, really like NFT adoption. You know, I, I've been um, in NFTs, my, my, my main, uh, what we'll call it NFT wallet has been active since, you know, mid 2019. So it does somehow make me like a, you know, kind of older in the space um, in the NFT game. And, but I do think that that has, a, a ton of potential. So again, COVID unlocked a little bit of this foresight to me um, in, in terms of the, you know the, the metaverse, whatever that may mean to individuals. The other part though is just around digital flex and, and ownership. So my, my oldest daughter fell in love with Robux during the uh, the time of COVID, um, like spending you know all of her allowance money in and Robux money to buy digital dresses, um, you know guns for her games. But knowing that those are, are trapped on that platform, knowing that you know they're they're kind of centralized, um, is disturbing to me, right? And as I'm a recovering watch guy, so knowing that I you know I'm going to spend my time at home, but I still want to flex on people, like having you know a, a, a nice PFP, um, really, and having that provenance to prove out, hey, this isn't you know the Canal Street knockoff; it's the real deal. Um, as silly as those kind of sound, we're all collectors at heart, right? Like those things really do mean things to people. As soon as we get again clarity, we get some you know kind of um, bigger companies jumping into the space that aren't going to rug us. I'm looking at UCNN, you know. Like, then we're going to actually <laughs> see uh, real, true mainstream adoption. You know, this is this is uh, I think a real opportunity. I think crypto is still um, it's still a teenager, right? But we're we're growing leaps and bounds. Bear markets, uh, bull markets. Um, so so really. I don't know, I'm rambling, all of it, but specifically, I think um, NFT adoption and, and real uh, retail use cases will will continue to um, to shine through. No, that's a that's a great answer. And for anybody who's interested in in uh, maybe following you or, or the giving block, what's what's the best way to do so? Oh, sure. So um, I guess I, I think I have the same handle really across all the social media platforms. So, you know, at the Duke Kim, um, slowly building a Twitter following nowhere near the, the size of yours, Rob, but, uh, you know, I, I try my best. Post more food. Yeah. Well, sir, um, if I only I cooked now and then, um, you know, again, I'm obviously active on, on LinkedIn as well. 
the giving block is at the giving block across all the social platforms as well. You know, we're always looking to to engage with donors, uh, with projects, with organizations uh, looking to build, um, you know, corporate social responsibility, making to looking to make an impact or even integrating with us from a, a technical perspective. So really, um, you know, always happy to have conversations and to help uh, bring more people into the world of crypto. Awesome. I'll have uh, links for that in the podcast description and in the YouTube description for anybody who's interested in um, reaching out to, to Duke or the Giving Block. And uh, Duke, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. Have a great one.